Just beginning, I'd like to say hello and like to welcome uh, everyone to the special collaborative uh, book discussion and Q&A event hosted by International Immersion Podcast and the Viet Sisters Group in the U.S. Uh, my name is Sean Severson, and I am the host and producer of International Immersion Podcast. And uh, this event has been some time in the making, and I know me, Vu, uh, and this you know, QMI are very happy to put this together, and we put a lot of work and effort into it, and it's great to see so many people here tonight, and I'm very excited uh, that we can all be here and do this. So um, for this event, we are excited to host a very special guest, as you can imagine, who has produced some very captivating literary works recently, and they have also gained rapid popularity. Um, specifically, the focus of tonight's discussion will be on her, one of her latest works, uh, the book, The Mountain Sing. And another thing, um, our guests will be offering two special gifts um, throughout, the, throughout this uh, event tonight. The first will be at, just before the Q&A, and the last one will be towards the end. And then um, just a note for everyone for tonight's uh, event, um, for the first half of the program, uh, if you want to keep your uh, cameras off and muted, that will be for the discussion part where uh, we'll be talking with Ms. Kiyomaya about the book and, some, and give providing her some questions to answer. Also, uh, if you wouldn't mind keeping your uh, speakers muted to prevent any unnecessary sound in the background, that would be great. And then when we do move to the... Um, Q&A &A session, we then welcome people to unmute themselves and then uh, also turn their cameras on if they want to uh, pose questions and we'll give you some more information when we get to there. But And also, as everyone is aware of, um, from the uh, registration link that we sent out, uh, this event is being recorded, but only the audio is going to be used um, to be uploaded to, the, to my podcast later. So if you have any questions on that, we'll gladly answer that, but that's pretty straightforward. And um, with that, without further ado, I'd like to turn it over to uh, my other co-host this evening, Ms. Vu Du. Vu, it's great to have you here tonight. Thank you, Sean. Um, good evening, everyone, and good morning to those who are joining from Asia. We have Ms. Gwe Mai joining us from Jakarta, Indonesia, and we know that a few friends from Ho Chi Minh City, Hanoi, and um, in Vietnam also joining us tonight. So my name is Vu Do, and I am at this event representing Viet Sisters in the U.S., which is a support group focusing on women happiness and empowerment. Some of my friends in the Viet Sister groups are all here, here tonight, so we're going to uh, say hi later with them between um, them and Ms. Wei Mai as well as other part of the audience. So I was born and raised in Vietnam um, until 2015. I went to the U.S. for my graduate education. I then met Joel, um, a Southern Illinois native who never been to Vietnam. So since we were together and uh, getting married, we spent a lot of time um, chit chat and hang out and read book and watch media about Vietnam so that Joel can have a chance to know more about our country, people, history and culture. Um, we usually have a habit like on Friday and Saturday night, we have weekend movies night. And a lot of time we're gonna watch a Vietnam War movie. We cover a lot like um, the Vietnam War by Ken Burn, Oliver Stone movie like Platoon and Heaven on Earth. But um, within the process, I also noticed one thing. We don't have a whole lot of movies about Vietnam in English made or created by Vietnamese. 
So from the moving process, we also, um, myself and my husband, looked for books and other types of media to read and discuss about Vietnam. We got to know a few Vietnamese-American um, author who wrote about Vietnam in English, like Miss Lily Hayslip, and a name like uh, Mr. Viet Thanh Nguyen, who was a Pulitzer winner, also a friend of Miss Nguyen Van Quay Mai. But we think that process, again, I can't kind of refer to myself that when I shared for books and media, we found so many things writing about Vietnam in English, but from people come from the US or the international um, creative uh, community. So when we, even in the US, when I talk with my friends, people can talk and they know about the things they carried written by Tim O'Brien or Born on the 4th of July by Ron Covet, but not many of them know about a Vietnamese author who writing about our Vietnam, our history and our people. Or if they do, some of the Vietnamese American get some acclamation and reviews, but it's not as highly as other American as well as international writer. Then it came the mountain thing that make us feel so proud. Um, I first knew Ms. Kwe Mai, the author, actually back in 2014, through a friend in a creative writer community in Vietnam, introduced me to her, and I read a book uh, that she wrote, From the Snow to the Sun. It is a beautiful collection of um, traveling stories that Kwe Mai wrote through her traveling experience from country and continents. I also admire her pretty much because she was a philanthropist that care so much about children and unfortunate people in Vietnam. She spent so much of her time dedicated to nonprofit and charitable work when she and her husband and family lived in Vietnam. I can resonate pretty much to that um, with her creative work and philanthropy. In October, um, when my husband did a, a biking trip across the state to raise funds for our nonprofit organization, he, during the day when he rode the bike in the trail, I feel like I uh, spending time driving along supporting him, but it's like I was I myself was riding on an emotional train as well because I spent pretty much time reading the mountain thing. This book tells a story of a Vietnamese family through French colonial time, through the Greek famine in Vietnam in the 40s, through the cruel land reform set out by the communist government, which I can also relate because my maternal grandfather was a victim of this cruel policy when he lost all of his property to the communist government back then. And she also wrote about the Vietnam War. I cried and smiled so much reading the book. There was so much pain, yet so much beauty as well. There was love from one to another. There was our beautiful Vietnamese tradition. There was the courage and bravery of women living in such society and time and the meaning of families. It's all written in a very lively yet poetic manner. So I'm so grateful for the book and the author, Ms. Nguyen Phan Nguyen Mai. And here she is with us tonight. So let's welcome her to give her some of the introduction and narrative about her own self and her creative journey that brought her here to us. Thank you. Chị Quế Mai. Thank you so much, Vũ. I'm speechless. 
I did not know that you had read my writing in Vietnamese. I had no idea because we came into, we got to know each other when you messaged me, when you read the mountain thing. So I had no idea you had known me before. This is so amazing with this book because I have found so many brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, I feel at home here in this uh, discussion and thank you so much, Sean, who's now my brother also. I, I love your introduction of, of the program and thank you for both to both of you for many hours you have worked on putting this together and your initiative. So, you know, uh, Vũ said something about the missing of Vietnamese voices in, in literature, which has written in, um, about Vietnam. And I, I just, today I read an article of, uh, published on the New York Times that five, only 5% 5 of all literature published in English in the United States so far has been written by writers of color, only 5%. And you can imagine many years ago, you know, authors of color had no chance to publish. So, you know, my, my book can only be possible without right, Vietnamese writers who have led the way. Writers that Vũ mentioned, writers like Viet Thanh Nguyen, Ocean Vuong, Lily Hazley, people who had fought so hard for our voices to be heard. And, you know, like um, I also read so many books about Vietnam, but I was frustrated because I did not see uh, you know, own voice stories. I did not see, um, you know, uh, stories written from women's perspective. And Vietnamese women in Vietnam War literature, uh, you know, are often seen as prostitutes, you know, as those absent of trauma, as, as, as victims and uh, absent of agency. And, you know, the very, um, the very uh, popular Miss Saigon, for example, represents Kim as someone who needs to be rescued by American men, you know, and this contradicts, uh, you know, um, the, 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 the reality that I experienced growing up in Vietnam. Like Vũ, you know, I spent, uh, you know, most of my life in Vietnam and I was surrounded by women who, who had to bear the burden of our history and who had to become pillars for returning soldiers, who had to raise their children and keep moving forward and had to live with the decisions that they had to make. And, you know, throughout our histories, mothers had to separate their kids. You know, if you talk to uh, both people who have left Vietnam, some of them actually had to make the decision of leaving children behind or, or putting family members on different boats so that they could survive. And, um, you know, in the book, I documented, you know, the journey of Grandma Ziu Lan when she uh, fled the land reform. And it is inspired by, by real life stories. My, one of my best friends told me about her grandma that during the land reform, she had been persecuted and her family members were killed. And then she had to escape with her many children, otherwise she would be killed. So, you know, she had no means of survival. So like in the book, she had to leave one child after another along the way. And as, and as a mother myself, you know, I know how difficult it was for her to make such a decision. So, so this book is, um, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky that this book got published by you know a great publisher who whose whole team championed 
my book. And I want to share that, you know, this book was rejected by many, many publishers. They said the story is too difficult to, to you know, like, you know, because there's brutality of war in there. And I, I did not want to censor my writing in this book. I wanted to confront the horror of war to call for peace. And you know, there were editors, they said, you know, it's too hard for our readers. But, you know, and but my agent is just so amazing. I have an amazing agent who, who really believed in this book. And when she, she found editors who were really interested, and then she told me, go let's go with someone who really believe in your book because this, this is not a book that you know this is a so so she said let's go for Argon queen even though they are small publisher because the editor is the one you know all the editors who were interested in the book they wrote me email they asked me questions if i wrote first in vietnamese and translated into english or <laughs> my creative process but this editor said I want to call you and talk to you. So she spent more than an hour on the phone with me, you know, and after talking to her, I knew she was the right person because I needed the, the right person to champion this book, otherwise it would be lost. So I have so much to share about this book, but I'm just grateful that it's here and I'm, I, I re am really grateful for your readership and your support. Thank you, Ms. Kim. That was very, I mean, very captivating. And, you know, I, it's really neat to see, you know, just from discussing like how you, what, you know, your mindset of going into writing this book and like, you know, you're not wanting to shy away from, you know, you want, wanting to tell how things are the way they happened. And, you know, as they say, you know, not sugarcoat it. And I think a great quote that kind of comes, that kind of goes with that is by um, one of our American Civil War General Williams comes to Sherman, it means war is hell. And, you have to be very, if you want to carry that story on and you, for future generations to learn and not to make the same mistakes of the past, they need to be confronted by the horrors of that because people don't want to repeat things that are terrible, but as, they, as time progresses, the lessons of the past continuously are forgotten and you can see things repeat again and again and again, manifesting in new ways around the world. And, that, and clearly you can see that today in many countries, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, when I was growing up in Vietnam, I, I look at the devastation around me. And I think I was eight years old at, at that time. And I told myself the human race would not be so stupid as to wage another war on earth. I told myself, just look around me, just look at this. Could anyone, you know, want to wage war again? And I, you know, now I know that I'm so naive because we keep giving reasons to start another war. You know, and the war nowadays are not about, you know, the war nowadays is just about, you know, uh, um, uh, do, uh, using drones to drop bombs onto people, you know, it's, you know, it's just so much horror. And I was doing some research um, about, you know, the statistics um, of, of, of bombs and of Agent Orange drop onto Vietnam the numbers just blew my mind away, you know. There was so much irresponsibility there that, that still need to be rectified. And I don't think there is enough work done because I, I you know, Vu uh, mentioned about my work uh, with, you know, with 
the people, disadvantaged people in Vietnam. You know, I volunteered and worked at the orphanages where um, there are many age, um, victims of Agent Orange are kept there. And many kids are highly disabled and there's so little uh, healthcare provided for them. And, you know, I, I think they are the forgotten victims of the war. I met this mother who had no means of supporting her child. Her husband had died because of Agent Orange and her, and, and her child is highly disabled and she had no choice but to leave that child in that orphanage. And she cried to me, you know, and she said, you know, I, I don't know how I can, you know, I'm a mother, I love my child. So yeah, at, you know, and people still die in Vietnam until today because of unexploded bombs, you know, and the world just move on. We just cause another war and we leave a lot of things unresolved. And, and, and I don't know. And I was talking yesterday to writer um, Kim, um, Kim Thuy. Um, I highly recommend her books, Ru, uh, um, uh, Ma'an and V. And she just uh, wrote another book called um, M. Um, so I just typed in the um, conversation, her name, Kim Thuy and Ru, um, okay? Um, Kim Thuy and her novel is Rue, it's so beautiful. And this novel is about, you know, um, the life of, um, of a refugee, but she, she and I work, um, put the Vietnamese stories on the center stage because I feel like literature about Vietnam has, has put the American voices on the center stage. We are just backgrounds to the American stories, you know, but in, within the Vietnamese community, um, there's still so many unresolved issues. You know, Vietnamese, many Vietnamese who left Vietnam have not returned to Vietnam. They think they lost the country to the communists. Many Vietnamese um, who live inside Vietnam look at Vietnamese who fled as traitors. You know, so we still have so much to do to bring our community together. And I wanted to write this book, you know, for Vietnamese people so that, you know, we look, we, un because some uh, diasporic Vietnamese told me when they first started to read this book, it's really hard because it's told in the voices of Northerners. And people who fled Vietnam are normally, you know, Southern Vietnamese, and they did not know, they did not normally look at stories from the other perspective. So with this book, I, I would really love for all Vietnamese to love to look at each other's perspective and understand our decisions and, and, and why we are here today so that we, we can discuss, we can inquire further into our history and we can come together and heal together. Very good words and I think <clears throat> very good points must be considered and that leads us into our next point where we can kind of explore these things and that is um, some of the questions that have, we've been pre we've prepared for tonight's event to kind of delve into your book and kind of uh, get into some of the deeper details um, on the key points. So to begin with, I'll, um, the first question that we have for you tonight is, um, you know, this book covers nearly a century of Vietnamese history and events. So I mean, what did you have to do in terms of research and creativity to write this book and craft the amazing personal story that you've used to present it in? So I, I think I have researched for this novel my entire life because I, um, I grew up 
Uh, I was born and spent, um, you know, some years of my life first in the north of Vietnam, and then I grew up in the south of Vietnam. And you know, like I have always loved to talk to people. So you know, I have. Uh, I have kept my diary, uh, you know, um, and, and I love listening to people. And then um, I later on, I worked with a lot of this Adventist groups. So I traveled to all parts of Vietnam. So my first type of research is, is like, um, you know, like oral stories. I, I, I interviewed people. I mean, this book is like born out of conversations I had on rice fields. At, at dinner table, uh, dinner tables, you know, in kitchens. I love to go into people's home, at acquaintances of my parents and cook with the elderly people and talk with them. Um, yeah, but I also um, did a lot of research, um, you know, in at the archives. I traveled to, to the US. Um, you know, to Laos, Cambodia, look, um, look a lot, um, and Vietnam to different, you know, archives and museums. And um, I also read, I think, hundreds of, um, you know, fiction and nonfiction books about Vietnam. So I wrote this book as part of my MA in creative writing and finished as part of my, um, my PhD. So, um, so, so I think research is so important because I, I, I think the thing that made a difference for me for this book um, you know are just the emotions when I heard the real life stories and when I drafted uh, this book you know so I had no experience writing a novel before I started this I was totally crazy you know because one day I decided I'm going to you know I was working on a novel but it wasn't working out really well. And then one day I, I traveled with a friend in a car to go to self-defense class. So I asked him where he was doing the war and he told me about the bombings of Hanoi in 1972 when he was in Hanoi and his grandma, um, he was alone with his grandma in Hanoi. His parents had gone to Russia and his grandma protected him from the bombs. And his story was so moving to me that that night I came home and drafted, I wrote 2000 words that would become the first chapter of the mountain scene. But after that, I interviewed like 20 people, you know, who, who, who experienced the the um, Hanoi bombing so that I could uh, fiction, uh, fictionalize the details of their real life stories into that chapter. And so I, I wrote not knowing much what could happen to my characters, but my idea was to use, uh, you know, one family to represent Vietnam, to show how that family or Vietnam was divided by our historical events and how, it is diffi how difficult it is to reconcile and to come together after, after the war. And yeah, so, so, so I also created a big family because my intention is to use one member of a family uh, as a witness of a historical event. No, very good. And I think that, I think you've, you hit it, you know, right on is that the, there's nothing like hearing a story from someone who's lived through something or been through something. There's just that, there's that, that emotion, there's the emotion, there's just the intensity. There's nothing like it. I mean, you can watch something, you can learn about something, but unless you meet someone who's been through something, you know, this or anything like this, there's just no, there's no comparison in my, my opinion. Cause I've talked to veterans for, you know, and other people who've been through, you know, conflict and other things. And it's, you know, it's very, 
you know, it's captivating, you know, harrowing. It's a lot of words can be used to describe what that's like. Mm. You know, like for example, um, one of the, I, I, I interviewed so many veterans in, for this move, uh, for, for this book. Um, if you have read the book, there is one chapter about Uncle Dad's journey through the war and, and, and how he, when the Agent Orange was sprayed onto his head and then he peed into a handkerchief to put against his nose. And this is a story told to me by my uh, father's friend, you know, and, and this man told me many years after the war, he did not dare to have kids because he was afraid his kids would be deformed. And, you know, he told me so many things and, and I'm like, you know, every time I went back to Ho Chi Minh City, I had to see him. So I went back a few years ago and I asked my father to take him, me to his house. And my father said he died of cancer. And I, I really think that because of Agent Orange, you know, and, and there are like millions of people who are still living with the consequences. So, you know, in interviewing these these people, I, I was inspired. I felt compelled to write this book. So during my seven years drafting this book, I, there were many nights I didn't sleep really. And my, my, my husband said, this book is going to kill you. But you know, I, I had no choice but to write. You know, I felt like, you know, there were times during the evening, during the night, when I heard my characters calling, they said, you know, get up our stories cannot sleep, get up, get up and write. So, um, you know, so, you know, this is just a small part of our history. We have so many other parts that have not been documented. And, um, and, and, you know, we have so much to do. Yeah, I think that like is so, is so much work that putting in the book, because um, if any of the people in the audience have already read that, you would feel the thickness, not the thickness of the pages, but the thickness of knowledge and story and anecdotes, like putting in the book, there was so much. I feeling like I was reading the whole history of Vietnam and that, and many friends agree with me. Talking about that, um, did you, so we know that like in the book, Mai, you wrote about the French colonial time in Vietnam, you wrote about the Greek farming, uh, when the communist government took over and the Vietnam War happened. There was different period in the Vietnam history painted in the book. Did you research um, some periods more than other? And did you have any like favorite period of the Vietnam history that you wrote about or enjoy work writing about it in a book? Um, yeah, researching for this book was um, such an impossible task because there's, you know, like there have been so many history books, you know, about Vietnam, about these periods. And, but I, I think my main uh, purpose was to listen to oral stories and the, discover the untold stories of our history and to use fiction to kind of create a world of imagination. And I want to quote Ocean Vuong, and you definitely need to read Ocean Vuong on Earth, we are gorgeous. And Ocean said, um, writers of colors are normally uh, expected to be bridges that bring readers into a world of real life events. But we should be world builders. 
you know. So we so my research set the foundation of this book. So you know, it's a garden. The research is the garden. I got soil for my research into the French uh, occupation of Vietnam, the Japanese uh, invasion, the land uh, reform, the Great Hunger, the Vietnam War, and the war aftermath, and um. And then, you know, out of that garden, I grew the Chan family and the characters. Um, to answer your question, I mean, my, I could not say that which, uh, I think the research into all the events were really difficult in the way that there was a lot of information. And, I, and it was um, more difficult to get a balanced perspective because a lot of history books from inside Vietnam, for example, are written from the propaganda point of view. So if I were to read, to write a book based on my research in Vietnam only, my book would be totally, totally different. So I wanted to, to give a chance for, for the perspectives of, of other people. So I also interviewed a lot of people who had left Vietnam, you know, to hear uh, stories from different, um, regions, different parts and different types of people. And also, um, I think uh, researching about the Vietnam War uh, was, was easiest because I ha still have many uh, people who, who, who still, you know, like uh, there are many people whom I could um, interview. And, um, but I think for me, the most important was to research about the land reform and about the great hunger, because these these two events are rarely documented in the in fiction about Vietnam, and they just you know devastating. The horror is just you know unbelievable. So I focus a lot on on uh, on these events, and it was difficult for me because these events are really emotional. My grandpa was killed because of the land reform and my grandma had died in the great hunger. And you know, three of my family members died in the great hunger. My, uh, my father's mother, her younger son and her brother. So I, you know, I did not know much about the great hunger when I researched for this book because it's rarely mentioned. But so I interviewed a lot of, of, of witnesses and I read books and I asked my father, you know, the things he could remember. And I, I, I just learned so much from, from writing this book. I learned about, you know, my family history, first of all, you know, there were so many things I did not know. And my parents did not tell me because they were difficult and and I'm thankful for learning how to become a writer so I could ask the right questions. And, and I think for all of you Vietnamese out there, you know, um, I know many of you have had conversation with your fa family members, your parents, your grandparents, and I would highly, you know, um, encourage you to continue those conversations because, you know, our children and grandchildren need to carry the heritage of our stories so that they are not forgotten. No, I think no, that's very true. And I think you bring up another great point about history and that comes down to point of view. Every Whoever, whoever writes by history or, or teaches it or records it, it's going to have their own natural bias or it's going to be, you know, there's, there's so many different views to it. 
depending on who you talk to. And having majored in history myself, I think it's, you, it's very important that you reach out different sources from many different, er, different areas and different perspectives to kind of get more of an eclectic or more comprehensive view of what happened. And um, that leads into the next next question. And this is also a question posed by um, one of our viewers tonight in that what was the hardest part um, in finishing uh, the Mountain Sing and why? And how did you overcome this, this obstacle? I had uh, so many challenges writing this book. I think the first is my English language because I learned English from the eighth grade and you know, and um, so, so what I wanted to write in the way that preserved the Vietnamese culture, the Vietnamese traditions, because our language had lost so much due to colonization and had wanted to undo some of the loss. So I, you know, so um, yeah, so I, I had to find ways to express the Vietnamese way of thinking, Vietnamese emotion in English and, and in a way that it would not, you know, uh, sound funny to the to to the English native re, uh, speakers. Um, so I I you know it was like the challenge was to to translate Vietnamese proverbs, and I spent months and months on it. And you know, like Thanh Ha Lai, Thanh Ha Lai, uh, you know, spent a lot of time reading, uh, helping me. And she's a great writer whom I highly recommend. She wrote Inside Out and Back Again, you know, a book of, uh, you know, it's all poetry. So she's a great poet. So, so like we did some charity work together in Vietnam, you know. Um, so that's why I, I said, you know, uh, can you help me with the proverb translation? So uh, another person who helped me with this is Paul Christensen, who lives in Vietnam. And actually, I'm working on a book of Vietnamese proverbs in English and Vietnamese because our proverbs are just so insightful. Another challenge would be how to, how to honor the the memories of people you know people who told me their personal stories in the right way in this book and when i was editing the book i was going through all the research i had done there were days i had a crisis because i had stacked of material i had collected and i was rereading and i'm like how am i going to fit all of this in you know because when you read your research notes, you like, this should go in, all of these statistics would go in, you know, or this incredible story would be in, should go in because I would dishonor this person if I did not incorporate her story. But in the end, like Ocean Wong said, I had to be the world builder. I had to leave everything behind, keep it as my understanding and build a completely fictional story. You know, so so yeah, it was it was a very I don't know uh, risky process <laughs> because uh, I felt like you know I yeah on one hand I had done so much research so that was an advantage but it was also a disadvantage because it's scary to look over all of these notes and say how, how am I going to do the right thing you know because historical fiction um, is is a very um, I don't know, tough subject. And, you know, when I started my writing career in Vietnamese, there were like many Vietnamese men who said, how can she write about this? She didn't live through a war. 
I mean, this is a topic of men. How can a woman who, who never fought in a war write about war? You know, like they was like, they brushed me aside. But, but I think anyone can write about anything with research, compassion and empathy. So yeah, so I think, uh, I think the thing that helped me most um, was um, the tears I saw on people's faces when they told me their stories, the look in their eyes, and how, how they kept insisting that we should not forget these stories, that we should learn from mistakes our, from our past. And I think that the thing is, we, we keep repeating our, uh, the mistakes of our past, so that's really frustrating to me. Yeah, uh, great mind, uh, Miss Andrew Nguyen, which is a celebrity that we are really honored to have here today, just uh, send you a message, damn those Vietnamese men critics, which is, it's funny on the side, but it's so true about uh, real society in Vietnam, even to millennials growing up in Vietnam like me, girls are still believe that they are not, that's, that's a great boundary for things that girls can do and things that girls cannot do and they still have um, prejudice on that. Saying that, I uh, really appreciate that you share so much advice because in the group of guests that we have today, we have a good number of young Vietnamese who would love to become a writer later. They do have some question for you and you just actually answer one of the uh, question about a creative block and how, how to overcome that. The next question that we have from um, one of our audience is, um, which is great, uh, turning to the reader. What do you want the readers to gain from reading this book about Vietnam and the events that have shaped it in the last century? Or are there a list of specific things that you hope people will get out of it, reading it? Oh, um, before I answer your question, I want to acknowledge and say, what a great friend I am, a great fan I am to uh, Miss Andre Nguyen. Andre Nguyen, who's here today with us. She's the ambassador of Vietnamese culture. She is the greatest cook, uh, the greatest chef, an award-winning author of so, so many great books. So you, if you read my book, you know how important Vietnamese food is to our culture, our way of life. And I would encourage you to visit Miss um, T. Andrea's um, website and, uh, and Instagram because you can experience Vietnamese food in the authentic way. Um, yeah, so um, Vu, could you share the, the um, website of uh, Miss Andrea? Um, so she has so many wonderful recipes and her cookbook are just, uh, you know, amazing Vietnamese food any day. So um, you should check out her books and also her recipes. Um, yeah, so, um, so to, to answer your so what was your question again? Sorry, I was so excited to, to talk about Chiandria. I forgot the question. Yeah, so the question that uh, the, one of the audience poses was, um, what do you want readers to gain from reading this book about Vietnam and the events that have shaped it in the last century? Mm. I think... Um, I love the readers to uh, 
gain more, uh, you know, like to to look at Vietnam not just as the Vietnam War, but look at Vietnam as Vietnam as a country full of his, you know, complex history, colorful culture, beautiful language, rich Vietnamese, to, uh, rich literary traditions, and also, um, you know, full of families who who love each other. Um, you know, and and I could, you know, this book is not about Vietnam, but uh, about about you know uh, seeing uh, other people as humans. You know, appreciating the difficult history that all many of us have had to go through to to be here today to appreciate peace. And I mean, I would love for readers to do more for peace, to promote peace so that humans love humans more. And I hope that, you know, after reading the book, people would look at, you know, refugees, or, you know, or people from other nations who are going through war differently. Um, one of my, my projects here in Indonesia has been teaching Afghan refugees, uh, a group of Afghan refugee, uh, um, how, how to, um, you know, write. And, these girls, you know, I was stunned to find out that only 15% of Afghan women know how to read and write. Only 15%. So under the Taliban regime, they are forbidden to go to school. So my, my, my students risk their lives escaping here to Indonesia where they are stuck in limbo. They don't have access they don't have an ID card. They, they can't, um, you know, um, they can't work. So they are just waiting to be accepted by a third country. So, you know, many, there have been suicides in the community. Uh, a lot of them are depressed. So I wanted to give them hope. So I started this, this, uh, this project two years ago as a volunteer and I've been working with them in putting together an anthology of their own writing and I'm going to you know I want to sell it later on and raise funds and a hundred percent goes to the, the 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 students to to help with their education opportunities but I wanted the world to know that when we move on with our lives there are people fighting for a chance to have a normal life, you know, and we should not leave these people behind. Um, you know, there are so many refugees displaced and, and, you know, they have nothing and even hope, they have so little hope and we need to do more to give people hope. No, I think that's, that's so true. I mean, there's the human element and, you know, I think they, the old adage, as long as there's hope, that's what's most important, but it still does not diminish the, you know, the sorrow and the heartache that so many people go through even today. And, you know, despite, you know, the statistics are showing that the world is becoming a better place. It's still not a great place by any means, just by looking around. And um, that kind of leads into the next, next question that we, that's been posed is, you know, and it kind of, kind of relates to what we've discussed a little bit as well. And that is what lessons can be taken from your book about the events that you've captured so well in this woven story and how can this be used to aid future generations and their decision-making? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't want to 
answer that question because I I don't want to teach people something. I don't think I'm able to teach people something. You know, I just wanted to tell stories that need to be told. And I think it's up to the readers to interpret the book the way they see it. And I think when a book is out there, it has a life of its own. And I hope that any reader can um, you know, like relate the book to their family experiences. And if it motivates them to talk more to their elders, to reach out to one person who needs help, uh, you know, I think it has been enough for me already. That would be the greatest blessing. Uh, I don't have any hope for politicians to read books because a lot of them don't read books unless they are wonderful people like Obama, right? Um, yeah, so um, my dream would be, you know, the leaders of my country to read this book, you know, because I think a lot of the time uh, politicians make decisions without thinking about it's the impact on civilians. I was having a conversation with a Vietnam War veteran the other day and he said, the best way to prevent war is that all the decision makers who sign um, 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 you know, a decree or who, who decide on a war has to send one of their children to that war. So then the person would not decide in the same way. So I was stunned to find out that, you know, the American men who fought in the Vietnam War were normally people who were poor because like, you know, men at that time who could afford university could delay the, the draft so they didn't have to go to war. So the, the people who, who fought in Vietnam were black men, men of the poor family, Men, men who could not afford university. And one of the veterans told me, he, he, he thought that he was fighting for a good cause because of the propaganda by the American government at that time. But also he thought if he died, uh, the, the army would, would pay his mom some money so that she could buy a house. So, so I think although I am anti-war, but I, I'm really, I feel such compassion you know, towards the people who had to fight in the war because there are just so many circumstances that made people go to war. And I think, you know, I just want more empathy and more, more you know, compassion for everyone out there. We need to look at each other's circumstances more empathetic, uh, you know, more compassionately and, and listen to each other's stories. I think you don't have to tell the lesson, but uh, so many young people can learn from what you just said already. Um, I, would, I would agree. I think just the just people reading that, I think the message is very clear and just visualizing what people went through, I think is enough for a lot of people to say, oh, I never want to have to go through that myself. And that's a great comment you meant about you made about politicians. It's like, yeah, if, if they would have to send their children or if they themselves had to go be the implements of their own policies, I think you would see a lot of different, a lot, a lot of changes. <laughs> 
Definitely. Uh, with that, uh, we have so many questions still on the list, uh, both from us and from the audience. The audience sent you quite a lot of questions, Kwebai, to show them, um, show you the love. <laughs> However, we are on kind of a tight schedule. So I'm going to jump the ship and move to the next part. Now, at the beginning, Sean has already um, informed everyone that we are having two gifts from Ms. Kwebai for the special. Uh, edition of this event tonight. So we're going to come to the very first gift, which is I'm sure that it's going to have so much inspirational and spiritual value. So uh, let's see what's come next. Yes, yeah, so Ms. Kimai, you're going, um, yeah, the first gift is you mentioned to us, you have a poem you would like to read to us. And you, um, you mentioned you're going to read the, po the poem in Vietnamese, and then I'm going to read it in English. Oh yeah, so um, normally, you know, I've been promoting my uh, my novel, but I rarely talked about my poetry book. It's called The Secret of Hassan. And um, so I started my writing life as a poet. So let me read to you one of the poem, the, uh, one of the poems in this book. Um, Người làm vườn trong đại nội Tặng những người dân Huế Tiếng xét oàn thân cây Người làm vườn miệt mài ươm từng mầm cỏ Lũ nhấn chìm thành phố Người làm vườn miệt mài ươm từng mầm cỏ Hoa đại trắng trên tóc ông bạc Hoa phượng đỏ bên áo ông phai Hoa sen hồng dưới bàn tay thô giáp. Những chiều đại lụi tàn, Người làm vườn miệt mài ươm từng mầm cỏ. Trên những chiều vua đã đổ, Mồ hôi người vươn lên tươi xanh. Very beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and now read the uh, English translation of the poem. The uh, poem is called The Gardener in the Royal Citadel. And this is for the people of Hue, which is the ancient imperial capital in Vietnam, uh, Vietnam's ancient citadel. So it, it proceeds as thunder bends tree trunks. The gardener engrosses himself in sowing each seed of grass. Temptists sing, sink the city. The gardener engrosses himself in sowing each seed of grass. Plumeria flowers are white around his gray hair. Flamboyant flowers red alongside his faded shirt. Lotus flowers pink under his cracked hands. Royal courts decline. The gardener engrosses himself in sowing each seed of grass. On the collapsed royal dynasties, the sweat of humans rises from their ashes. So I wrote this poem when I saw um, a gardener working at the Royal Citadel in Hue, Vietnam, you know. Um, so then the, that's, I, I wanted to talk about the, uh, you know, the, the work of the manual laborers in Vietnam um, on the collapsed royal dynasties, the sweat of humans rises from the ashes. You know, so through our history, the history of Vietnam, um, 
you know, it's the resilience and hard work of the Vietnamese people that made us survive. And I mean, Vietnamese people are just the hardest working people on this earth. <laughs> you know, you know, we work all the time and we 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 can't help but working because you know we have survived our past to working. Also, I just passed the link of my book, The Secret of Past Stand, to um, you know, in into the link in case you want to check it out, or I think your library should also have a copy. All right, well. Thank you very much for that. I mean, that was a very beautiful poem and it has a very deep, um, you know, deep, deep res resonating, you know, character to it. And as you've characterized, but kind of like as things, you know, things rise and fall, but things can, but things, life goes on, you know, countries continue, people continue on. So that leads into our next part of the event tonight, and that's going to be our Q&A session. So um, during this session, uh, we're inviting people who would like to, uh, 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 <clears throat> direct questions directly, you can have, we have three options. The first part will be you can um, unmute yourself and we can turn your cameras off or on as well and you can uh, ask direct questions. And then we're going to have uh, people who maybe want to uh, write their questions in the chat. We'll be reading those out for her to answer. And then lastly, we have a, a preset of questions that have already been submitted that um, we'll be uh, asking as well. So um, during this time, you can do a couple things. You can you uh, raise the, thumb, the thumbs up icon, or you can simply unmute yourself and state your state your question. And then, if you want to post your question in the chat, just post a question along with your name, so we can re, uh, we can tie each uh, question to that person. Actually, you know, we are in a small group, so I would love for you to, if you want, to turn on your video so we can see each other. Because I feel like I'm in a family here, so you know, surrounded by the people who love me and love the book. Oh, I just become so emotional to see some of your faces. I, I see Emmy here. Emmy Lei is my wonderful friend and Vietnamese sister who wrote the book Snow in Seattle, Snow in Vietnam, and she's been supporting my work since the beginning. Since so many people here, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you know, ask your question uh, directly. I love to, uh, I, you know, I should have gone on a great book tour and meet you and hug you. But because of this pandemic, you know, we are stuck in our home, but I'm so grateful to see you today. Anyone wants to ask the question, just unmute yourself. I, I, I have a question. Um, since you mentioned the Agent Orange and some other sort of uh, things that have continued from the war, we had a speaker on our campus at University of Missouri, I think a week or a week or two ago, talking about the War Legacies Project, which is still trying to find you know, bombs and bomblets that are buried in the ground and people that are suffering from Agent Orange effects. And I wondered if if you um, are aware of what they are doing and how how is that project going? Um, so actually, there are quite a few projects going on in Vietnam. Um, you know, um, so in terms of, I think there are um, a few areas that can 
um, that have to be dealt with. So uh, in terms of um, Agent Orange, there need to be a lot more um, work to be done on, um, you know, like removing the residue of Agent Orange. For example, um, there are many locations in Vietnam that would use storage facilities for Agent Orange. So, you know, like the pollution that seep into the, uh, the, the ground is tremendous. So that there's a project from the American government to clean it and it has been going okay. But I think this should be done. And there is currently a court case of um, an association in Vietnam who, who has been suing American companies who produce, produce Agent Orange because these companies said we, you know, like these chemical was harmless. So that's why they were sprayed everywhere in Vietnam. And, you know, like um, um, veterans, American veterans who fought in the war have been compensated, but Vietnamese victims have received nothing. So, you know, so this needs to be to be done. Um, one area is also um, to work in the area of removing unexploded ordinances. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know organizations who work in that area and um, I know the organization called Veterans for Peace. They have a chapter in Vietnam and with Americans, you know, involved with Vietnamese in detecting these unexploded ordinances and removing them. But one other area which I would really need one or one to see support is the area of psychological support. You know, there has been a lot of research on PTSD and trauma in the US. Uh, you know, I read a lot of this research and I, I interviewed people and document the impact of PTSD and trauma on people. But in Vietnam, I only found a small research that involves, you know, a small number of the population. And, you know, so many people in Vietnam are traumatized. And culturally, if we're traumatized, people say that we are possessed by ghosts. So I know people who have put into uh, mental institutions and treated like animals because they are traumatized. They are, they were, they are friends of mine who fought in the war who had are highly tra traumatized. I have a friend who cannot sleep with a um, ceiling fan because when he saw the ceiling fan, he would like, this is the American helicopters chasing me and mm -hmm. shooting me down. So, you know, I would love to have more help in research in PTSD, trauma, you know, psychologists who help with victims of the Vietnam War because there's still so much to be done in that area. I hope I answered your question. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can you hear me? Hi, Hai Chiu. I want to tell hi. you about Hai Chiu because she just started. Uh, hi, Hai Chiu. Can you paste into the, the chat uh, your, you know, Hai Chiu uh, just, uh, just invited me to be a judge? <laughs> of her essay contest to increase awareness for mental, um, uh, mental aware um, awareness for mental health. Uh, so, you know, this, uh, this essay contest will highlight the stories within um, Vietnamese American community and we, what we can do to help each other 
overcome mental health issues. So if Hai Chiu can later paste your link into the chat group for everyone to read and to share, that would be amazing. So Hai Chiu, yes, please ask your question. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Ji, for introducing that. Um, I think they're leading the chat. I see there's quite a few uh, writers who just want to learn, like, how do you do it all? Like when we go to sleep, you're on, uh, on social media. When we wake up in the morning in America, you're on social media. I'm thinking to myself, and I know you're like, you're on all these Zoom meetings. I'm like, does she sleep? So can you kind of walk us through like your schedule? Like, how do you do, how do you find the time? Because as a mom, I'm like, I barely, I'm just now sitting down from the computer. I've been running around all day. I, I can barely compose a haiku, less alone, like a chapter in the book. So how, how, what is your schedule like? Because you're doing this and you're doing, uh, so how do you find that one, two hours just to sit down and be creative? Because I know you're writing a book too. Um, you know, I block out certain time in my day, normally, you know, early in my morning that I switch off social media, you know, I switch mm -hmm. off the internet, you know, to be able to concentrate. And I think to write well, you need to have that moment of silence. You need to be with yourself and with your characters and not disturbed by election news or something like that. So that's a great question, you know. I think every one of us for our mental health to have that kind of personal space and silence. So, you know, I've learned throughout my writing career to be disciplined in that way, that, you know, there are chunks of time that you just need, you know, to be by yourself for your reading, for your writing. Um, yeah, so I, so I think, you know, my, my UK editors, you know, recently she wrote me, she said, oh, you know, like you never give up. You just like work so hard. I said, I'm a fighter all my life. I'm not going to give up now because I want, you know, my purpose is not to be famous or sell books. I just want Vietnamese stories to be out there because like Vũ said in the beginning, we are seldom heard, you know, look at the landscape of Vietnamese literature from inside Vietnam, we are nowhere to be seen, you know? Um, so, so I want to fight for this chance to tell the story and, and, you know, and yeah, you know, I'm really like, I don't get tired because I love interacting with people and, and it is just my great privilege to be here, you know, because when I was little, I was told by my family not to become a writer. My parents said, don't you know what happened to writers in Vietnam? Don't go there. And my two brothers said, we are poor. Do something useful with your life. <laughs> so I went on to study business. And, you know, I only started writing when I was 33 years old. And I had to fight so much for that chance to be a writer. So I will continue to fight every day for a chance to tell Vietnamese stories because these need to be told. And you know, I, I admire, you know, one writer whom I admire so much is Viet Thanh Nguyen. And also, you know, Chi uh, Andre Nguyen who's here. They, we, we do not uh, talk about work, but we promote other people. We promote, you know, Viet Thanh Nguyen said, once you have been through a door, you open the door to others, you know? We open the doors to the voices of Vietnamese people because now I'm doing 
you know, on top of this, I'm translating a lot of Vietnamese literature as well because, you know, and, and like Chi Andrea, she's like promoting Vietnamese culture. She's writing a lot of things, uh, you know, about Vietnamese food, but she also, you know, worked a lot to uh, during the election, you know? I think people like Chi Andrea and Viet Thanh Nguyen changed the minds of so many Vietnamese Americans. And so that we went to vote, you went to vote. I couldn't vote. I wish I could have voted, but you know, you changed the minds of many people and then we had a good election, you know? So we need champions in our community. And I follow the footsteps of so many amazing people out there. You know, and as a community, we have to do much more. We have to open doors to other people and together we do it. And what I, I, you know, I have always looked at the Chinese community around the world and I admire them because the Chinese are so good in helping others. They are successful in many areas because they have others. And Vietnamese, I think we are known for being divided <laughs> than being united. You know, so I think we need to do much more. Thank you. I hope I answered your question. More questions, please. Does anyone would like to ask a question? Uh, we have a few questions that type in up in the okay. chat box okay. here. Okay. Uh, yeah, so one of the first question from Allison, um, Ali in Atwoodsville, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Are you planning on writing another book? And if so, what type of book? Is it planning on being fiction, more poetry, nonfiction? So mm -hmm. more to, um, yeah, what is your future plan? I'm really excited about this book because this book also kept me sleepless. <laughs> so I, I spent five years uh, working on my second novel uh, as part of my PhD. So I graduated from the PhD and I just, um, you know, I, I, um, I spent five years and I just sent it to my agent and her reaction is like, wow. So, so I hope it will be published uh, soon. And so this novel is about, um, it fictionalizes the stories of a hundred thousand uh, children who were born into the Vietnam War, who are children of American soldiers and Vietnamese women. Uh, you know, uh, they call Bụi Đời in Vietnamese, the dust of life. Many of them were abandoned during the war. And I read a report that 98% of them haven't found their parents. So this book highlights many issues faced by those Americans who are the forgotten victim of the Vietnam War and my character is a black Amerasian. And if you're Vietnamese, you know how racist we are. So this book highlights the, the issues of racism from inside Vietnam. I mean, Vietnamese from, um, from America are racist, but Vietnamese from inside Vietnam are double racist. So, you know, we are so bad. So this book is really, I mean, it brings out some of the bad things about people, I must say. <laughs> And it highlights, because it's set in modern day Vietnam as well as the war. So it's set in the south of Vietnam. So this, the, the mountain scene is set in the north of Vietnam and the second book is set in the south of Vietnam. And it, it also documents the stories of, Amer of Vietnamese women who had 
to become prostitutes during the war and who had to abandon their kids later. So I wanted to look into these these women's stories and, and see the reasons why they had to become prostitutes. So I also, one of the, the narrators of my second novel is, guess what? A Vietnamese, uh, no, an American man. <laughs> I had so much fun writing in the voice of an American man. Let me tell you, because American men have written in the voices of Vietnamese women all the time. So I said, why not? And so I chose to write in the voice of an American man and he's a helicopter pilot. So I had a lot of fun researching on helicopters and riding this boat. And I have had <laughs> riding on helicopters, Woo! but I have, have, have um, I'm very lucky because I have um, great friends who, who are Vietnam War veterans who worked with helicopters during the war, so who, who are, you know, uh, helping me a lot. So this project kept me sleepless, but I like, I, I, I get so excited uh, writing about this. So yeah, I can't wait for you to read it. So later on, I will share my newsletter and through that newsletter, you can, uh, you can keep updated with this news. Sure. So one person asked me how many hours I have. Also, I have to stand up and show you my azai. So this azai is actually um, a, a personal desi design of my friend uh, who's a great artist in Vietnam because you know, she loves, um, she loves azai. So when I went back to Vietnam, she said, let me design one for you. So she took me to Dong Xuan Market. If you go, I type uh, the Dong Xuan, Dong Xuan Market, um, so if you go to Hanoi, you have to go to Damson Market. It's the best wholesale market and you buy so many types of clothing, traditional Vietnamese. So she took the Emmy there. She bought, she designed this and we bought material and she took me to the tailor. So I have around 20 outside, but I normally I wear this because, you know, I love these flowers. But so my husband called this uh, Superman suit. So before I have an event, he said, do you want your help? Do you want my help with your Superman suit? Because this, you cannot put it on yourself. It's difficult because it has so many buttons. <laughs> so he said, Superman suit. <laughs> yes. So somebody else asked, oh, um, Vu can, uh, what's your suggestion for women who work full time and want to write? That's a great question. And I see stories from all of you. So if you want to be a writer, go for it. You can write the stories that, that only you can tell. So um, for women, maybe I, I, want to, I want to ask Miss Andre Nguyen to share. Okay, she's a very famous author. What's your suggestion of women who work full time and want to write? Oh, quay my, my God. So, so I just want to say that you are so impressive. This is my second time of, of watching you as an author. I want you all to know that she was in California a couple of years ago.
before her book came out and um, she was a resident um, writer, a fellow. And I came to see her speak and I was so impressed. I kept waiting and waiting for that damn book to come out. And finally it arrived, so I had to get a copy. Um, not just because it was so well received by the New York Times, but um, many others, but I was just so um, proud. And um, my family, my mother is from Northern Vietnam and I got her a copy and she was incredibly impressed. My mother is 86 years old. And so many of the things that um, are said in the book are not said elsewhere. And Vietnamese women are the backbone of so many households and um, the fact that you're a parent or you're a career woman does not mean that you cannot do a lot of things that you want to do. Sometimes I think traditional women feel like they have to hold back because they have to play the role of a, of a traditional woman, but, but someone um, of, of Gwe Mai's generation, I'm 51, um, you're, a lot of you are younger than I am, you, you don't have to go by the same playbook. And it doesn't matter where you live, you can be in Vietnam, you can be in America, you can pursue a lot of different goals. And um, it can be a little overwhelming at times, but um, you can do it and you can support other people. And I do, you know, fuck those men. I'm sorry to use bad language, but really, I have had the worst problems with old Vietnamese men going after me by saying, kong dung, kong dung. And I'm just like, screw you. You know? Not right. Right, not right. You know, and I'm just like, who are you? You never even set foot in a kitchen. You just eat. Similarly, you know, all the research that, that Kwe Mai has gone through to put this book together, it's like friggin' phenomenal. As my mother said, how did she get all of those interviews? How did she get people to tell those stories and not be afraid of retribution? But you know, if you wanna be a writer, shoot, you can do it. You can, you can write a little newsletter, you can blog, you can, Instagram is writing. You're learning to give a hook. And if you wanna be a professional writer, then you can just pitch, be patient and just keep on writing practice every day. Thank you. I'm going to mute myself now. Oh, wow, this is the greatest advice. I couldn't have answered better. Thank you so much, F those men. <laughs> I never say the F word before in public, but I'm saying it now, thank you. Oh, I did not know that she, Andrea, met me in the San Jose uh, Museum, right? Uh, San Jose Arts Museum, wow, I did not know, I had no idea. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, Andrea already said so many great things. I mean, um, women or men, you know, um, we all have our duties in life. But I think if you want to pursue your creative interests, make space for it. Because in the end, that's your personal happiness. You know, um, we write for, to meet our duty, but I think for, for joy, the joy of sharing the stories with others, uh, you know, so, 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 you know, I don't know about you, but for me, if I don't do creative things, uh, I feel empty. 
I feel as if I haven't eaten or drunken, you know, for me, writing a books, literature, storytelling is as important as food and air, you know, so if you practice it every day, it will become a part of your life and it's essential for your being. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, if you want to be a writer, go for it and go for it and fight for your space and everyone faces rejections and if people reject you you know it's normal i i my manuscript was rejected by many people so keep fighting keep fighting never give up <laughs> yes thank you so much andrea you're great <laughs> oh are you planning oh um okay uh any other question um oh uh, Chimai, I have a really quick question. Uh, I know we're maybe wrapping up soon. Uh, I noticed that you you move very seamlessly between Vietnamese and English, even when you use like proverbs and idioms. I just wonder like how you do that. Does it come with a lot of practice? Because I'm 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 trying to write in Vietnamese now after mm. having lived in the U.S. for a while, and I'm using Google Translate because I can't remember <laughs> what the words are in in Vietnamese. Because I haven't I haven't used it in writing in so long. I want to salute you. I want to celebrate you in wanting to write in in the Vietnamese language because this is the best way of coming home, you know, uh, to and and building stronger roots to your heritage. So um, I I think it comes with practice. You know, now you use uh, diction. Don't use Google Translate because it can be wrong. Uh, you know, use uh, the dictionary and, uh, you know, and, um, and have a later on. Um, and, and, and I think the more, oh, and then you should read Vietnamese literature in Vietnamese. You know, when you read, you, you, you know the way of expression more, you become more fluent, you, uh, you become more natural. So my path of becoming a writer in English is through translation. So, you know, I worked, I wrote in Vietnamese first, and I, I, I saw that, you know, world literature didn't have voices from inside Vietnam. So I spent years translating Vietnamese literature for other readers to know. And then, you know, naturally, and I, I could think in English. So I think if you come to a stage where you can think in Vietnamese and not having to use the dictionary too often, that's better. So you one way is to you know i keep i until today i keep a notebook of new words that i learn each day through my reading and i read a lot so you should you know um you keep um, a dictionary of your own dictionary and you read a lot and you practice it every day and it will come naturally and thank you i hope i hope you keep in touch because i want to read your writing so okay thank you oh i want to introduce you to jay Jay, can you unmute yourself? Um, Hi. <laughs> Jay is a brother whom I found through this book. Um, Jay's father fought in the war. And, um, and we have been, you know, exchanging a lot of conversations um, because Jay's father passed away last year. And um, he was highly traumatized too. And Jay, if you could share a little bit of, you know, introduce yourself or say whatever you want to the group, please, because I want everybody to know you and what a special person you are. 
Well, thanks so much for inviting me. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of overwhelming to try to put in words, but it, um, your books really touch me in very deep levels and I'm grateful to be here. Um, so, I don't know, I, I put a question in the, in, the, <laughs> in the chat. I don't wanna necessarily go, <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. it could go to a really deep place, but you explained my father was in the war, he was drafted. And um, I noticed a couple other people in chat, it seems like they have connections also to the, to the war between our countries. <clears throat> and I, I really uh, appreciate your just championing everyone's you know, need to heal from that. And um, so thank you very much. Jay has a question for you um, that he put in the chat. I'm wondering how does it feel different for you as a writer speaking with audience now that you have a novel published compared to when all of your published work was poetry? Thanks, Jay. That's the question that many people in this group wanted to ask. Uh, there, there's rarely somebody who can walk between the lines between poetry and novel writing like Chi Wei Mai. So uh, is it like a God's gift or <laughs> I think it's a gift from God. But what do you think? Yeah, before I answer the question, I just want to say that um, how moved I am to see Jay in this, um, in our meeting today. Uh, because my my two uncles fought in the war. Uh, one uncle fought for the North North Vietnamese side, and one uncle fought for the South Vietnamese side. And you know the the uncle who fought for South Vietnam died when he was very young, and he left behind you know um, his wife who was pregnant. And um, and my um, my second uncle my my uncle from from the North. Um, you know, he came home from the war and he was, he didn't want to share any stories with us. Um, and I felt, you know, I feel like I'm a child of these soldiers, you know? So when I can reach out to a child of another veteran, it is my great honor because it's like, we have so much to discuss and help each other heal. And, and I'm just so privileged Jay, that you read my book and, and that, that you are here today. Um, I mean, um, the, the Mountain Sing is also a book of poetry, um, you know, because nowadays many people don't read poetry. I mean, unless you are as good as Ocean Vuong. <laughs> so I, I cheated. I, I sneaked a lot of poetry into this book. I, I like, okay. This is my chance. <laughs> so, so, you know, the proverbs are poetry and I use a lot of images, like even the book's title. So, so you know, um, Vietnam has such a great literary tradition. Um, we, we say sách gối đầu giường or a book that is used as a pillar for Vietnamese. Pillar, when you sleep at night, we say sách we, we, we gối đầu giường books as pillar, uh, pillows, 
uh, one of those books is Chuyện uh, Kiều by Nguyễn Du, The Tale of Kiều by Nguyễn Du. And many Vietnamese, you know, it's from inside Vietnam, we learn it by heart. We do fortune telling with the book. We sing lullabies from the book to put children to sleep. So, you know, I grew up surrounded by poetry. So even though, you know, we were poor, but we were rich in poetry. Poetry was read to us by loudspeakers. Poetry was read, uh, sang to us in the form of, of lullabies of our moms. So that's why I, I wanted to infuse poetry into this, uh, this novel. So I think, you know, when I remember when I went to the US for my poetry readings. So, okay, so normally poets, they just read, right? And they have questions. So I'm like, no. Normally, before I read a poem, I tell the story about a poem, and then I read it because I wanted people to know the context of, of, the, of the poem. So I think with the novel, I have, I have the chance to go deeper for deeper conversations with the audience compared to my poetry. Uh, you know, um, and, and I mean, I've had so many, I think I've had about 50 different book club meetings. And, 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 you know, to be able to, to dive deeper into Vietnamese history, um, you know, through the conversations is most amazing. And I learned so much from the audience as well. It's not just me telling the stories, but, you know, from when I hear, you know, from people like Miss um, Chi Andrea today, you know, I learned so much from her. And uh, yeah, so, so this has been such a great learning process and I, I'm learning every day. And I think I, with all of your love and support, I need to be a better writer. Thank you. Thank you. So um, the times has been, this is such a great event where everybody has been wrong, been so involved and thank you to Mai for all information. Um, I think it's probably like the time for us to wrap up. We have spent an hour and a half, very valuable moments to uh, exchange thoughts and listen to Mai about the book, The Mountain Sings. So um, probably we're gonna come to the uh, wrap up point now. Sean, do you would like to inform everyone about the second gift that uh, Ms. Guimai and Algon Kin book offer? Yes, and uh, yeah, she's been very gracious and she's um, offered a uh, discount code that has been put in the chat. So anyone who wants to buy the, buy the book and also if a, group, if, you, if a group will buy a number of books, they will actually get a custom, I think black scent as well if you uh, place a group order in. So you can find it in the chat and should be posted here. Yes. So uh, yeah, that, that is such a great gift. Uh, if anybody plan to buy the Mountain Sings after this, please take advantage of the 30% uh, discount that offer by Alcon King, her publisher. And um, well, that is such a good night. Thank you, Chi Mai, for spending your time and talking with us and for all the people who join us in the audience tonight. Um, we have way more to, to talk about this, but um, time is issue. We're going to stay here after this if whoever want to hang out. <laughs> but we also know that many other people who have already left, uh, leaving a message that they joined the event from Washington, D.C., which is one to, um, there was people that having one or two hours difference than us and it's has already been late for them over midnight. So thank you everyone for joining this. 
Um, and about TWMI, there's still one thing. I think the audience would really care about um, wishing your family having a holiday and your daughter is still far away. She, she will come home today. Oh, before I forget, if you don't mind, let's take a group picture because I want to yes. you know, yes. remember. Sure, for sure. <laughs> and, and really also uh, post uh, um, um, YouTube link on Ching Concern. Ching Concern's music is poetry. He's one of the greatest uh, Vietnamese minds. Uh, you know, so his songs are poetry. He's like wonderful, wonderful. So, you know, I really posted, um, you know, a YouTube link there that I would love you to listen to Ching Concern's song. Thank you very much. Oh, and I also posted um, because I love to promote more Vietnamese literature. So for you to uh, to read more, oh, Vũ, could you yeah. post the, the, the link of Viet, 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 Read Vietnam? So, uh, you know, an Instagrammer put uh, together a list of recommendations of titles you want you may want to check out, you know, because you've read the mountain thing most of you have. Uh, thank you. And yeah, let's take a group picture. I want to celebrate. Yes, this, yes. this is my final, final event until March. So I'm really honored you are here and so, celebrate this with me. Yeah, whoever is still here, please turn on your camera <laughs> and really please go ahead. I posted that song because you mentioned that your two uncles were fighting on two sides of the war. Yes. And that's what the song is about. Thank you. Um, yeah. That's a um, beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so um, just like a gift and a thank you and goodbye to everyone. If you can turn on your camera, we would love to have a photos of you so that Quimai can keep as a beautiful memory and gift to her for the holiday as well to everyone as well. We um, had such a wonderful time. So there were still a few people in the um, the audience tonight haven't got their questions sent to you, uh, Ms. Wemai. I think I'm gonna send out the questions that uh, haven't been posted and those who that leave an email on that to Wemai so that you maybe connect you guys so you can ask the question later and chat more. But thank you. Um, we're gonna do a group photo so if everybody I'm gonna count on three and you give a big smile and we can capture this moment. Then that's gonna be one, two, three. Yep, I think I had it. If I don't, uh, feel free to kill me for that. <laughs> but thank, thank you so, you so much. much, everyone. Oh, I'm so happy. And um, we survived this year. Yeah, we survived 2020. So I wish you and your family a joyful, healthy, um, peaceful new year of 2021. And I hope to see you in person and there will be no virus so I can hug you all. <laughs> I miss hugging people. Yes, yeah, so please stay well and uh, Keep pursuing your passion and yes, celebrating life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And good night to those who are in the US and good afternoon. <laughs> Have a good day for people in Asia.
Yeah, and I just wanted to say, you know, I appreciate everyone coming tonight, and I'm really glad we were able to do this collaborative event tonight. Um, and this will, event will be posted on my podcast, International Immersion. And um, I'm also like, you know, I'm, I'm honored to have this along with, I'm, and the premise of my podcast, as I was t- talking to Ms. Kimai uh, and Tafu, is um, having lived overseas and traveled a lot, I want the goal is to create a platform where people can share stories. They can learn about each other. They can learn about places. And this event tonight has just been a wonderful example of that. And it's my goal it, as, you know, for more and more people to be connected with the, the wider world around them. And at the end of the day, there's, you know, people are, they're not, we're all human. We all have to share basic, basic things, desires, and drives. So, you know, it's my goal to continue to build that and work with wonderful people like Mr. Kimai and Ms. Anvu and other people. And I'm always looking for stories and people to interview or discuss with because I, I think that in this day and age, we need, even though the world is becoming more interconnected, we still need to become much more interwoven to understand each other and realize that, you know, and as we've, you know, very vividly described tonight, we don't want a lot of things that have happened in the past to be repeated. And I think the best way for that is through education, you know, exchange of ideas and traveling and learning about people all around the world. And I think if everyone, every child, every student would go overseas or travel or just spend time outside of their comfort zone, that would be a huge step in that direction. Thank you yeah. so much, Sean and Bo, for your great work today. I'm grateful to each and every one of you. Thank you so much. Oh, hello, Kat. There's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, so we were planning to send out the podcast to everybody who registered yes. to the event as well after this. But um, thank you so much, everyone. Whoever still uh, wants to hang out with Chi Mai, I think you have a tight schedule to move on after this. So please <laughs> feel free to leave. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Right. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, for coming to see you. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Good to see you, Jay. The first time I meet you in person. Thank you. Yeah, for good to see you. Mai. Thank you. Thank Great you. to see everyone. Thanks for the event. Yep. It must be late where you are, right? What time is it now? Where I am? Mm-hmm. Um, 10 past 10, same as uh, the hosts, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We are in um, St. Louis, Missouri. So yes. it's mm-hmm. time. Yeah. yeah. Thank I you. Tell- yeah, thank you. I actually grew up there. I was telling Quinn my so. <laughs> small world. Yeah. Sean and I were from here. Anyhow, thank you, everyone. I'm going to officially end the meeting for here so Gwemai can move on with her busy Saturday and hope you have a good holiday after this. Thank you so much, everyone. Stephanie, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye, Bye, everyone. Thank you. Perfect event.